G'day, Troy Dean from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode number 70 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Curtis McHale. Curtis McHale um, is a WordPress consultant from Canada, and his goal this year is to achieve $1 million in revenue, which is about 83000 a month. That's a big goal, but that is the goal that he's looking for in 2015. He's looking to 10x his business. Uh, he did about $100,000 last year. He knows a lot about processes, client management, being debt-free. We talk a lot about personal finance in this episode, which is weird because it wasn't scripted. We went right off on a tangent and spoke a lot about personal finance, um, and I think it's well worth the episode just for that uh, that uh, rant that we went on. Curtis shares his knowledge freely on this episode of the podcast, and he's giving away two complimentary consulting sessions with his good self. Um, you better jump on Skype and pick his brain about anything related to online or the WordPress business. Uh, the last client that he consulted with netted an additional $1,000 a month in his contract. So uh, that consulting session is invaluable. Stick around for details on how you can enter the draw to win that competition a little bit later on. It's a great episode, this one. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by WP Migrate DB Pro. If you don't know what it is, it's all about migrating your database from one WordPress installation to another. It helps immensely when you're developing WordPress sites and when you've got staging environments and testing environments. However, instead of me flapping my gums about it, or in fact, instead of me talking to Brad Tauernard from Delicious Brains, who make WP Migrate DB Pro, why don't we instead have a chat with Jason Resnick, who uses WP Migrate DB Pro every day. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me on the line Jason Resnick. Hey, Jason, how you doing? How's it going, Troy? Uh, whereabouts are you based again, man? Uh, New York City. New York City. Cool. Yep. And you, 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 you hosted a podcast with... Um, uh, yes, with Bronson. Bronson. That's right. Yep. What's it called yep. again? Uh, WP Dev Table. WP Dev Table. How's it going? You having fun with it? It's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really, like, relaxed, and, you know, we just bring on developers talk tools talk code you know just awesome what Geek, geeks do geek yeah. <laughs> excellent yeah. um so we're here talking about wp migrate db pro the awesome plugin from brad Tauernard and our friends at delicious brains they are sponsoring the podcast for a month so i thought it'd be interesting to speak to some of their customers and find out a little bit about it um first of all why does database importing exporting and syncing databases between installations even matter why is it something that developers should be thinking about and, and using as part of their workflow? Well, there's only so much that a developer can think of, especially with what customers are using, how they're using the site when they register on the site, that kind of deal. And, and sometimes when you're developing um, and you're working even in your local environment, you're working in a silo. So when customers are adding, especially from like foreign countries and they have different characters and things like that. And when you develop against that stuff, you sometimes don't think about that. So you kind of need that live data sometimes to make sure that you're accounting for certain, you know, occurrences that might happen. Mm. And so just to like, just to simplify that a little bit for people who are like really new in this space. I remember when I started out, I would push files up 
to the live server and things would break because I was working on different data and I didn't couldn't work out what was going on. Like even, you know, um, I, even like the front page with the latest posts would look perfect on my local machine. And then when I pushed it up, of course, it was different because there was different data on the live database. And I just made an assumption that when I pushed the files up that the data was in sync because I was, you know, naive and I didn't know what I was doing. So you can kind of fool yourself into thinking that everything's going really well when, you, sure. when you're working on a dummy database, can't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, I, I mean I'm always syncing data from, you know, staging to production all the way back down to local, just if I'm, especially if you're working on a new feature. You want to know how that feature is interacting with the, the live data. I mean, it could be comments or posts or products, you know, it could be anything. And, you know, you don't know how your client is using, no matter how well you're, you know your client, you don't know what they're putting up on the, in the data or anything like that. So mm. um, it's always good to see what's going on, especially for page speeds and, you know, just, just variations of aspects to the development. Mm. So what, what were you doing, like, originally in the old days before WP Migrate <laughs> DB Pro? How are you handling this issue? Yeah, I was doing the same script that everybody else was using. I don't even know what it was called now. I've been using this for so long, but, you know, just doing an export and you know, doing a search and replace and then re-upload and hope and pray that everything worked. <laughs> so how, how did you, obviously this was a big enough problem that you went looking for an easier way of doing it. How did you find WP Migrate DB Pro? Um, I don't know the exact way, but I remember, I mean, I was searching for a long time. Um, you know, I was even asking other developers and that might have been how I found it through somebody else and they said here try this plugin and it worked great I was just like oh I, this is what I've been looking for <laughs> so you know I just you know I jumped right on board almost right away so and it is it is one of those plugins that you don't realize how much you need it until you start using it yeah oh yeah and, and, and the time saver I mean yeah. literally just by I mean They've done an awesome job at, you know, maintaining it and adding features and, and also keeping it lightweight as well. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many hours that I've saved. Probably by the time, by the time, since the time that I've actually used it, it's probably been months saved by now. Yeah, you know, right. Just, That's, wow. And of course, so, so, so the thing is, so you just answered my next question, like what is the biggest benefit that you've got from using the plugin? And it's, it's a time-saving thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, just the fact that like I can just open up my dev environment locally and just click a button to sync from last night's production, you know, I mean, that just, and then matter of like, you know, two minutes from clicking the button, I'm done. I'm mm -hmm. set up. You know, I mean, times that, that's how, I, that's how I work is if I find something that's can save me minutes in mm -hmm. a day that, you know, that's a, that's a gold mine for me. And it's really interesting because if you look like traditional manufacturing, this is completely off left at a left field. But if you look at traditional manufacturing, what the manufacturing industry has been doing for years is working out how to optimize processes so that you can still deliver the same product, but bring your overheads down so that you can maintain a better profit. And that's, ex that's where I see these kinds of plugins really coming into their own is they allow us to optimize our workflows so that we can still get product out the door in a shorter space of time. And so that we can, you know, really minimize our overheads and, and maximize the profit that we can get out of each project and out of our own workflows. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, they they've done some great things also with their add-ons as well. You know, their media add-on and then their CLI add-on. I mean, the CLI add-on just allows you to work, you know, their plugin into your deployment recipes as well. So, you know, I've done that with a couple of clients now and just makes makes everything so much easier, you know. Just awesome. Just one of those things, you know. Cool. Well, hey, uh, thank you very much for spending some time chatting with uh, with us about your experience using WP Migrate DB Pro. I really appreciate it. I know Brad and the guys at Delicious Brains really appreciate it too. And uh, wish you all the best for the podcast with Bronson. If anyone who's not aware of it, check out, what is it, WP Dev Table? Yep. Is that the domain, WPDevTable.com? Can people get yep. it there? Cool. I- check out WPDevTable.com and uh, have a listen to another WordPress podcast. Hey, Jason, thanks for hanging out with us. All right. Thanks for having me, Troy. Thanks, man. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this interview with Curtis McHale. Uh, We do go off on a rant in this episode about personal finances. I'm going to give you my elevation tip of the week this week, courtesy of Seamus Ennis or Seamus Anthony, whichever name he goes by these days. Uh, Seamus was a WP Elevation member one of our earliest members and one of our biggest supporters. Uh, and he put me onto a little piece of software called YNAB, You Need a Budget. You can find it at youneedabudget.com. And this thing has totally changed the way I approach my personal finances. Um, effectively, I'm saving more money and I'm less stressed out. So check out YNAB. It's a learning curve. You have to persist with it. It took me about three months to start using it effectively but it is definitely, definitely worth the investment. It has changed my life. I know that's a big call, but it's true. And they're not paying me to say that. Maybe they should. Anyway, um, check out YNAB. Uh, we do go off on a rant about personal finances in this business and how uh, in this episode and why it affects your headspace and why it affects your business. Uh, and that, that little rant is worth the um, price of admission. And for a free podcast, that's not too bad. Badum that joke loses nothing with age. Hey, um, Curtis is big on systems and processes. He reveals some software that he uses in this episode to help him stay productive, and it might not be what you uh, think it is. Stick around for details on that because it's um, a great little tip and well worth using. Uh, what else is there? Um, here we go, a couple of quotes from the episode. I believe you transfer value primarily, and then money is a reward for that. Not bad, huh? Why is important to Curtis? Um, in other words, why you do what it is you do. And you'll understand why that's important when you uh, hear the details for entering the competition. By the way, if you hadn't read Start With Why by Simon Sinek, you should definitely read that book. And um, I love it when Curtis says clients don't care about the technical stuff. That coming from a WordPress developer. Hmm, something in that for all of us. Um, uh, it's not just about the business. We're just brainstorming some catchy headlines here for the episode. It's not just about the business. Yes, it's not just about the business. Curtis McHale discusses life as a freelance web designer. He's big on getting outdoors and mountain biking and spending time with his family. Anyway, I could go on for hours. Uh, this is uh, uh, an epic episode. It's well worth the listen. Stay with us. Let's go and meet Curtis McHale. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me Curtis McHale. Hey, Curtis, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Yourself? Awesome. Very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us on the WP Elevation podcast. Um, and you are coming to us from where exactly? Uh, it depends how well you know Canada, but close to Vancouver, British Columbia. So that's 
I'm actually about 100 kilometers or 60 miles for our U.S. friends uh, east of Vancouver. I'm cool. right at the border to the U.S., in fact. Cool. And um, what time is it and what day is it where you are? It is February 4th, Wednesday, and it is currently 4 o'clock. Right. And if, yeah. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, if unless Skype is lying to me, tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow is your birthday, right? Actually, today here. It's today. Fourth. Right. Yeah. It's today. I'm recording oh, on my birthday, so. Well, dude, what are you doing doing a podcast interview on your birthday, man? Shouldn't you be out like drinking beer and bowling or something? You know, I got little kids who have been sick and a wife who has now got it. So, no, I will go home and help with that. Uh-huh. And that's the life of a dad, which I enlisted for many years ago, and I'm quite happy with it. You're a good man. Um, it's actually my brother. You share a birthday with my brother. His birthday is February 4 as well. There you go. Yeah. So happy birthday, Curtis, and thank you. Thank for, you. Uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about all things WordPress-ish and geek off in a very good way very soon. But before we do that, quick announcement for the competition this week. Curtis has very kindly offered two, not one, but two consulting sessions this month as a prize with Curtis. They are. We've decided they are invaluable. Tell us the story about the consulting session with your mate over sushi. What happened there? Oh, my friend, he called me as I was out for sushi and he was trying to negotiate a contract, a long-term contract, and we, I convinced him or we changed how he's positioning and he earned an extra $1,000 per month. And I'm pretty sure if I had talked to him before he had talked to him initially, he's actually worth $2,000 a month more easily. So Awesome. Cool. Mm -hmm. There you go. So stick around for details on how you can enter that competition and possibly win a complimentary consulting session with Curtis. You'll have to stick around for details on how to enter that competition a little bit later on. All right. Hey, Curtis, before we start geeking <coughs> off about WordPress, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, I thought long and hard about this after listening to the show, and I honestly do not know. I don't, <laughs> nothing sticks out to me. I probably the best thing is when I was uh, 12 or 13, I started racing mountain bikes and I wanted to be that for a while. I was good, but I was never as good as like in that top 1% to actually be a professional. So that's possibly the closest thing, but I don't remember anything before that. Do you still ride? I ride. I am, yeah, my bike sits beside me at the office. I commute into work every day. And uh, in the high season of the year, I easily ride 300 kilometers a week. Wow. Uh, I cool. rode back from Beach Press, which is a 700-kilometer ride, and I did it in four days with 40 pounds of gear uh, earlier this summer. Wow. So Beach Press is down in Oregon, and I rode up the coast and then up into Canada. Wow. That's awesome. Mm. Um, when did you discover the, the web and, and, and kind of know that it was something that was going to be used for other than recreational purposes? Well, my dad it was actually worked at IBM like forever and so I got into a little bit of it there I remember seeing I remember being in that their big cray mainframes and him telling me how awesome it was they had one whole terabyte of memory and that the rest of IBM in general like all of the whole lab he was at in Toronto had like one whole extra terabyte which is again comical now yeah. and I played with GeoCities kind of around that time in my early teens but then I took a long break I spend a lot of time guiding outdoor trips so canoeing kayaking rock climbing a whole bunch of stuff from like my late teens all the way through my mid, almost late 20s before I really came back to the web. Funny enough, during my psychology degree, which I have and never used, I decided to come out and go back straight into web stuff. Wow. Interesting. My wife's a psychologist and she's currently building wireframes for an organization she's working for. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm only now visiting, revisiting back. I guess it's actually a counseling degree, but I'm only now revisiting back as I do more business coaching, kind of the counseling and the mentoring uh, yeah, yeah. thing after six years away from it, six, seven years away from it doing web stuff. So. Yeah. 
I think everyone should at least understand the basics of human psychology and understand uh, how we think and why we do the things that we do. Um, do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? Oh, that'd be six years ago now. So what's that, like two, five or something? Yeah, yeah. Something like that would be the first time I saw it. And what was, what was your initial kind of, were you playing with other CMSs at that point? I absolutely was, and WordPress was the most interesting. Um, and after one bad experience in the WordPress community, I was about to go, and then two, I met also suddenly met two people, Andrea Rennick and then uh, Kim Parcell, um, and they convinced me that WordPress was still cool, and I stuck around. So to both of them is the reason I'm still around. You know I'm going to ask what the bad experience was in the WordPress community, don't you? Uh, you can. And <laughs> basically, I was told I was a moron for asking questions. So in my local area, I, like, I got a lot of cows, and there is not a lot of technical people in the area. The biggest community of people is actually Ruby on Rails. And yeah. there are some, some of the top people in Ruby on Rails happen to be local. There's one or two of them that are like absolutely top when people say, you know this person. I'm like, oh, hey, just like he's got my old Xbox. You just like right. go out and take photos together. <laughs> um, and so coming from especially some of the scripting optimization and JavaScript stuff that they were saying, you need to do this. And he runs sites that, you know, on the scale of WordPress.com, like e-commerce sites that are massive and massive. Mm. And I came and said, like, why aren't we doing this in WordPress? And basically I got told I was a moron by somebody who right. years later I know was often surly. So I just ignore them now but yeah 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 i was you know just new to the new to the community and and uh upset because i was called a moron more or less it can be a little bit i remember the first time i started posting questions in the plugin repository about mm. things it can be quite intimidating and overwhelming can't mm -hmm. it? yeah absolutely and yeah and then to be told basically you're a moron with no explanation of really why out, yeah. out of the gate like so yeah. this was on the old wp tavern forums so whenever they were around right there you go. Well, I'm glad you stuck around. We're all better off for us. Um, how do you describe what you do in one sentence? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? I help businesses um, have effective platforms so that they can live the life they want to live. Nice. And um, so what I like about that is that you're talking about the, the outcome that clients can expect from working with you, not just the how we do it or the technical stuff or the nitty gritty, but you're actually talking about the outcome that they can expect. Yeah, clients don't care about technical stuff. Yeah, they, they don't. Like, do really, they. they don't. I know we talk about it all the time, and I still catch myself doing it, but what they care is, so I have one, and they sell a car part, and that's all I'll tell you because I always mix up the car parts, and I sound like a dork to car people. But <laughs> um, we talk about bike parts, and I got those down. But like, they sell car parts, and the reason they run their business is actually to input into their community. And so when we were talking about what we could do by letting their online store run better and they can make more sales, they can actually turn that background into their community and do more community development. And so... That is what we focused on solving, solving their problems so that they could accomplish their why. Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, I'm going to talk a little bit more about why um, in a moment, and we might dovetail that into the competition a little bit later on. Stick around for that, kids. Um, <laughs> but before we get there, what does Curtis McHale actually spend most of his time doing day to day other than looking after sick kids and a sick wife? <laughs> I spend a lot of my time develop doing development. So I am a business consultant, a WordPress consultant that happens to write code is what I uh -huh. normally feel myself as now. I got into WordPress because code was really interesting, but I don't do it now because it's interesting. I do it because of the problems that I can help people solve. So I do a lot of development, particularly in e-commerce and membership, most specifically WooCommerce, although most of my open source code is actually in WP e-commerce uh, or easy digital downloads. Uh -huh. Oh, 
And um, so, and so, just 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 for those that don't know, you're in a team of how many are there working there at the moment? Me, <laughs> just me. Right, but you collaborate with you collaborate with with designers or. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah, I'm not a designer. If I have a good design, I can continue to extend it. And at one point, I said I was a designer, and we will never speak of that time again. <laughs> In fact, like the little picture frame that you can probably see from my four year old with like dinosaurs glued to it, maybe looked better than what I did originally. <laughs> <laughs> so, I collaborate with that, and I'll collaborate with some uh, people on some content strategy. Like Angie Meeker does really good uh, work on content strategy, and so I'll work with her uh, on that, uh, or get my clients to work with her more often. I have one or two good uh, designers that I like to work with as well. So how do you, how do you, I mean, we're kind of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but I'm interested, how do you manage the workflow? Like, how do you stop that feast and famine cycle of, you know, because as a business consultant, you go out and you get the gig and then you're actually coding and developing stuff. How do you, how do you stop that, get the job, do the job, go look for another job cycle? Well, first off, I use a couple of processes to continue to market, to continue to follow up. And then I also do have a lot of email templating set up. So like... If you were to send me a new project and ask me, like, how much is this going to cost? I'm going to send you back like 300 words, and it took me about 15 seconds to pop it out in Text Expander. Maybe another 10 seconds to rewrite one or two parts of it so that it makes the questions applicable to you and send it off. But the reality is, I think you're still going to have that. So I haven't booked in any new work in the last number of weeks, but I'm not dumb. I know that happens, so I save up. Right now, if I had no work, I think I'd have to worry in June. Mm. And I could still pay myself a full salary till June. And mm. then I'd have to bank back to our personal savings. So I think really September, like September is where I'd go get a job at a coffee shop or something, right? Right. Or at another agency. Um, so I plan for it. And when they happen, I just stay on my same marketing plan. I keep following up with freelancers, um, colleagues, clients, prospects, and keep putting out the content regularly to have work come in. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in a moment, about how you actually do that outreach um, so I'm just going to plant that seed so you can think about it. Um, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night about the business? And you're not allowed to say you're sick kids. <laughs> I sick kids. <laughs> the one thing. That's hard. I'm a not a very big worrier, to be honest. So I, like it has to be really epic for me to get worried about it. Even, uh, even down to when I was guiding in like, serious medical situations, I was the guy who was like, there's not a problem here. These are the three things we need to do. We're fine. And people are like, but like someone literally has like, you know, a big stick through their leg. We are okay. Right. Right. No, we did. We're going to go take the shutter off that house. We're going to spine board them and we'll carry them out. And they're like, but no, there's no, there's no real issue. So I don't get really worried about it because I set processes in place at this point. I used to get more concerned about it. Um, Like when work wasn't coming in, I'd be all stressed out, especially in the first few years because I didn't know that there was that ebb and flow. Mm. Um, And like, I know that January is typically a slow time for me. June is typically a slow time as well. So when it happens, I don't worry about it. When I look at my calendars over the last number of years, like February, uh, February through March is like typically 70% of my income actually comes in in that time. And then it's slow during the summer and I work on personal stuff. And then there's a lot of income that comes in in like November, December. Right. And you mentioned, you know, the process that, um, you, so it sounds to me what you're saying is that you just trust in the process, that the process will deliver the results. How did you discover that process was really important in business? I think I just found myself over and over doing the same things and finding the same things winning. And I said, well, why am I like manufacturing this stuff from scratch every day? That's dumb. And I, I hate wasting time. 
like asking me a question twice when I'll do this to my wife, she'll ask me a question of like, didn't we answer that like five minutes ago? Yes, I'm not, I don't understand why you're asking me again, which is not optimal for my wife, I suppose, <laughs> for me. But like that is one thing that really frustrates me. So once I do things once or twice, I'm like, nope, we'll just make that into a, into a template and I will always pull it out all the time, right? The worst I have to do is I got a lot of them, so I just have to search it in Text Expander to find the one I want and that's about it, so... I'm going to put a link to Text Expander in the show notes here because I love mm. Text Expander. It has it's awesome. Increased there's my a Windows version not of Text Expander, but there's a Windows similar app that I don't remember that actually works with Text Expander back and forth. So you can use Text Expander snippets in that as yeah. well. Awesome. I don't remember. Um, so now I really want to ask a question that I've already asked, just to see how much it irates you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night besides your sick kids? <laughs> Beside my, my dog when it barks. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well played. What do you do when you're not working and you're not mountain biking? Uh, well, I do a lot of different things. I, well, I'm a dad, so I hang a lot with my kids. Awesome. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to work for myself all those years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll, like, I'll mountain bike. I'll spend time up in the mountains in BC. I'll run. Um, so I'll mountain run, which is probably more determined hiking because I usually pick really steep things. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll take the dog with me. So I'll get up often on Saturdays. I get up at like 5.30, get out on the mountain at 6.30, and then I'm back wow. down for swimming lessons to hang out with the kids and get to see the sun rise on the mountains or something. Wow, Trudge that's through awesome. the snow and the rain just because it's fun. Wow. So you're a real, you're an outdoorsy kind of guy. I am. I, yes, I absolutely love being outside. And typically the worse the weather, the more I'm enjoying it. So. Really? Yeah. Wow. You, you and my wife would get along. We got married on the beach and it rained like torrentially right in the middle of our exchanging vows. And I was having an internal meltdown and she was just laughing and loving every minute of it. Yeah, and, uh, I would totally laugh. My wife and I spent our first three months married guiding trips in northern Ontario. So she is also, she's done a lot of guiding as well. And most of the outdoor stuff we've done together um, as well. She, bi- she bikes a little bit, but she runs mostly and I run a bit and she, I bike mostly, wow. but we've done all the whitewater kayaking and climbing and everything else all together. Cool. You mentioned before that, um, that's, you know, years ago, that's why you wanted to work for yourself so that you could have that flexibility of spending time with the family. That's obviously something that's really important to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even so today I usually, I dropped off my daughter at school and I was back for lunch at like 11 o'clock. We had a two hour lunch where I read stories and typically I'd already be back, um, or at four o'clock in the afternoon to hang out. And I usually go to Starbucks in the afternoon, just one block, a couple blocks from my house and walk back and hang out and sometimes they even stop by. So Wednesdays is more specifically the day that I use that lots, but there's other days when they're just sick and I'll can let my wife nap and stick on a movie and work off the kitchen table with some headphones and that's easy enough. But you do have an office outside of the house, right? I do. I have a small house and I have two little children and when you want to get a coffee and you have to hug, bump, high five on the way by and then during coffee and then on the way back. And then when you realize you forgot something downstairs, like your coffee, because you were like hug, bumping and high five, you got to go back and do the whole process again. It just takes a long time. Or when you look over and there's like a picture sliding under your door and another picture sliding under your door and eventually they're complaining because they can't push any more pictures under the door of the office. So, and then the, even when they're having a bad day, right? So I'm here, despite awesome headphones, you can still hear it all day. And then you don't feel like you were coming into an area, like you feel tired from it all day, even though I didn't have to deal with it. So it yeah, is yeah. beneficial. And I have, say, about a 15 minute commute to work every day on my bike. So how much time do you spend in the office and c- compared to how much time you spend working from home? Oh, I spend most of my time in the office, probably 70%. Okay. So usually Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and half of Friday, I'm in the office, Friday afternoons. 
actually all of Fridays is business development. So I have masterminds in the morning. I have one coaching call with someone that I coach them. And then I do the afternoon is all business stuff. So uh, sometimes it's, sometimes business stuff is getting relaxed with a good long bike ride even. Uh, and I'm usually out of the office by about one o'clock in the afternoon when I go find somewhere else, like even the library or a park or something just to work in wow. or to read in. Nice. What do you, uh, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in the business right now, what would it be? Hmm. I guess clone myself would be the big thing. There's a bunch of like biz, higher level business development things that I've got mapped out over the next number of months and I just like to run through them faster. And I think they're high enough level that it's still something I have to deal with. Like I don't have a big enough business and a big enough team to have four or five people and say, hey, marketing department, you need to do this, right? So even if there was two or three more people, I don't think I'd quite have enough to really do that uh, yet. So what is it that, what, like, what, what would be the first task that if you delegated it or gave it to someone else, what would be the first thing that you would get rid of off your desk? Get rid of so I didn't have to do would actually probably be development. Yeah. Um, I enjoy development. I enjoy the challenge of it. But I think, I not think, but I enjoy more even doing the sales and helping them solve the problems and doing the high-level stuff at this point. Development is absolutely interesting, and I choose to code in the evenings. So I don't count it as work, even though it's, possibly occasionally work but my wife's knitting and I'm choosing to work so I don't work in the evenings for clients almost ever right wow so how so so you <laughs> see that it's interesting because you know it's because it's just like it's just resonating with me so much sometimes I'll be sitting on the couch and you know my wife will be doing some reading for her psychology and I'll be just you know tinkering away and she'll say are you working and I'm like well I don't think it's work mm -hmm. but I'm still looking at WordPress related stuff. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I'm playing so, with a new theme framework or I'm taking a plugin for a spin or playing in a sandbox or whatever. Or maybe I'm yep. doing one of my own personal projects. But so technically I'm not still working, but I think she would prefer that I was doing something completely unrelated. Yeah. So my wife and I have talked about that a bunch of times even. And we draw the line at like, do you have to do this? Could I just close my laptop immediately and put it to the side and it would have no impact on my business? When the yeah. answer is yeah, then I'm yeah. doing what I would like to do. Yeah, yeah. When the answer is no, then I am typically I probably didn't plan well or some something else came up that is most often my own fault that is forcing me to work in the evenings. Mm. Um, so it, like qualifying it like that, I think I worked two weekends last year, maybe. Okay. So and I worked one I worked one morning in the last few weeks because I had an issue with the something. So I did like my blogging Saturday morning for two hours instead of going on a mountain run. Right. So uh, nice segue into your blog because you do blog a lot about the business of being a freelancer and running a small business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I wanted to ask is, and because I have this conversation a lot, I mean, I blog a little bit about this stuff, but nowhere near as much as you do. I talk a lot about it on the podcast, of course. Do you, do you sort of get worried that uh, potential clients, new clients might read your stuff and just think, oh, well, I don't want to work with this guy because, you know, um, you know, because you have an opinion about things or do you sort of worry that you, you know, you might offend? No, you shake. You, I see. I well, see you shaking. So what you're your really asking me is, do I worry that someone I have never met will likely never meet again, has no personal bearing on me whatsoever? Do I worry what they'll think about me? Yeah. No, I have way better things to do with my time. <laughs> awesome. And the fact is, like, people, I have a few clients who do read my blog, who blog posts come out in response to questions they have. Uh -huh. And 
they comment on my site even regularly and they email me comments regularly and they and they've challenged me on some of the things I've said and that's totally fine but they're self-selecting clients that I want yeah because I don't want to I want to work with someone who's a partner I think uh, last Friday I talked about a client who was less than complimentary about my client vetting process basically saying I stuck to it despite they they knew exactly what they wanted and they just wanted a quote on how to do it basically and I said well let's step back and why is this the best spend is this the current problem? Is this like all these things? And they were less than complimentary. And so I added a new template, which let me say something not nice to them and expanded into, Hey, I'm glad you found someone to work with you. Have a nice day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to dig into this a little bit deeper because, um, you know, I, it resonates with me so much. And a lot of the stuff that you say on your blog is stuff that I've been practicing in my own business and still getting better at as well. Um, how do you get over that fear of missing out on, potential work by being really open and transparent about your processes because not everyone's right mm. for us right and that that's kind of a lesson no. that we all have to learn but how do you, how did you get to that point where you realize not everyone is right for me and it's okay to miss out on some work mm -hmm. well your biggest job i think is to find the right fit uh, now i will admit there is always times when like i gotta feed the kids right uh -huh. i am not a, i'm not above doing any job that i do not find morally objectionable to feed my children that is my <laughs> one top priority so I will go work at a coffee shop and I will not say, I will never do this. I would go be a garbage man. That's fine. If that's what it takes to feed the kids, that's fine. So you may have clients that don't meet your, your ideal client that you take because you need money. And no one should ever feel bad about that because that is your top priority. Fridge boxes should be fun to play in, not houses. But after that, like, I just, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the exact question as I got on my tangent. Um, how so do I get over the, the fear of loss? Yeah. First off, I budget and save. I have no debt except my house. I will be putting my house on the market soon, and when that goes, it is, we may even rent for a while because I'm not sure if we can step up high enough, and we'll have zero debt whatsoever. Mm. So I have almost, like I say, I have no payments. I have to pay for my house, and that's it. Um, we operate everything on cash. We do not even have credit cards. We budget well. My wife, which is totally my wife, I'll admit that. If it was me, I would have more cool stuff around me and less cushion in the bank. Um, <laughs> I totally would. But... Because we've budgeted, then I just don't have to worry. I can look at the bank account and say, eh, I don't need clients for like weeks and weeks and weeks. It doesn't matter, right? For a couple of months, I just don't even need it. Hmm. Um, that's the big thing that I see. Every, like the pricing articles I write, everyone loves to read. When I write about budgeting, like nobody comes to the site. It's crickets. And yeah. I think that like you can always do better pricing and then just spend right up to it no matter what. Hmm. That's So learning how to budget and rein in your self-control is is a big predictor even psychologically of success long-term yeah. and will help your business so much. Yeah. And it feels like a lot of stress necessarily or hard to like restrict your spending habits. But then when it comes up to, hey, I want like, so for me, I want to buy a new bike and we save up and save up and save up and I drop $7,000 on a bike, which some people sounds crazy, but I ride every day. I ride all the time and I don't even have to think $7,000 inside our budget. I can buy anything I want inside that. I can I upgrade to really crazy stuff theoretically and, and it's fine. There's no no worry about it whatsoever because I'm not spending. And when they say, oh, this is going to cost more, I just say no. So even even when we bought our first house, we told our real estate agent, this is how much we can spend. If you show me a house over than this and we like wrote into the contract, we will find a new real estate agent. Mm -hmm. I will not buy a house more than this, even though like they were approved for like $50,000 more than we said, no, this is how much we can afford you touch on a really interesting, a really interesting kind of mindset, which is, um, you know, the the way to get over that fear of missing out is to make sure that you're not missing out.
by taking that client. And what I mean by that is, you know, when, when I first started out, I knew that some clients were a bad fit, but we still did the job because we needed to pay ourselves. And then I got to a point where I was playing gigs as a muso and doing voiceovers around town. And I realized that if we actually take this job, it's actually going to cost the business more than it's going to make because of the time that we're going to put into it. That time could be better spent refining our mm. processes, getting our message right, and finding clients that are a better fit and are going to be more profitable. So in the meantime, I'm not going to draw a wage from the business for a couple of months. I'll go and you know, play gigs and do my voiceovers. Uh, my business partner was doing some freelance design work to pay his you know, bills, and we, then we restructured the business and repositioned ourselves to find the right kind of clients. And that's the thing that I think no one talks about is that mm -hmm. you know, some clients will actually end up costing you more money than you'll make. Oh yeah, and like I even make mistakes on this. I made one just before Christmas where it sounded good and, and it had been again a little bit of a dry spell. So I probably let my bar drop a little lower than I should have. Oh my goodness. So like five calls a day and about every little thing, like how come this doesn't work? Well you turned off the plugin. That's why it doesn't work. And it was but it was like a freak out, like I'm calling you at nine o'clock at night and how come you aren't answering this? And I don't answer my phone at night. Yeah. Uh, unless it's on caller ID and a friend. I just don't even answer it. So, and the only, and I have a special ring for family. So I don't even pick it up unless it's family. So yeah. it just sits over on the counter and like five calls later and say, why didn't you pick it up? You do not have an access agreement with me. How much does that cost? Cost $10,000 a month to, be able to <laughs> talk to me in evenings and weekends. That's right. I'm going to hire someone else to call because I don't want to do it. And I say, really? Yeah. Cause I want to go away and go hiking for a week and not have to worry about it. That's the best agreement. I will hire someone so I don't have to do this job. Or you can go to say WP site care or maintain or whatever, right? Yep. Whatever. Um, yeah. And it caught like they easily cost me. It was a decently priced contract, but it was always, Hey, can we add this? Can we do this? I thought this was included and like clearly not, um, at least in my mind, clearly not. And then, yeah, there's always more misunderstandings because there's always three things said, right? There's always what I think I said, what I actually said and what you heard. And so yeah. that just gets amplified when you're talking to a bad client. Yeah, I like that. That's a great quote. What I think I said, what I actually said, and what you heard. <laughs> we're gonna make that learn that in counseling class. We're gonna that's right. We're gonna make that a click to tweet, I think, on this on this episode. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> um so so this this client vetting process, uh, I'm reading this article at the moment on your um, mm -hmm. uh, website, which is why you require uh, your initial questions answered. And one of the questions that I know that you ask, because we've spoken about this, one of the questions I know you ask a lot of is why? Why are we doing this? Why? Mm -hmm. What's the point? And we spoke before, we spoke off camera about Simon Sinek's Start With Why, which is a fabulous book. Um, I, th I think I've got it here. Um, if it's not here, it'll be at home. I've got it on my Kindle. Here we go. <clears throat> Here it is. Start with why. For those who are not watching the podcast, this is why you should watch the videos on the website, not just listen to it while you're walking your dog around the park. Uh, Start with why by Simon Sinek is a fabulous book. And if you haven't read it, I strongly, mm -hmm. strongly suggest you read it. Um, what, so let me ask you this question. This is a bit meta. Why do you ask why? Because why is important to me. I want to work with businesses with a why that has a 10 times reach. So the, like the car park company, they reach to their community. Like just kind of selling car parts is like selling coffee cups. You get a car apart, great, you've got your car and you enjoy your car more, right? And I know for car people, that's awesome. I have a friend who has like old, restores old cars and he loves it. But even that, that's his enjoyment and his family's. That doesn't necessarily make you 
we'll say a better person, but their 10 times reach is their why for running businesses, putting back into their community. Um, they happen to be cycling, a family as well, at least their kids are. So they like to do bike lanes, they do bike safety, they do for training for car, for bike safety, and all this stuff inputting into their local community. And that is a 10 times reach. Another client that I work with a lot, um, they help people have better marriages. And so getting like as one of the partners through that, one of the spouses through that means that they have a better marriage, their spouse gets it, their kids get it, their friends get it because they're happier overall, and that's a 10 times reach. And so that is what I'm interest, interested in. The challenges are, honestly, the technical challenges are neither here nor there on a lot of these. It's, it seems totally different to the client. When I look at it under the hood, it's almost exactly the same as something else I've done. We're just putting a different UI on top of that so that it works better for you. Um, but why is the most important? Because that's the stuff I get energized about. That's the stuff that I, you know, have a hard time sitting in my chair when I'm talking to them about and get excited and like realize I'm short of breath pacing in my office because I have like a 20 foot cord on this headset <laughs> for talking to clients. So that's that would that answered my next question, which is, you know, what is the what is the difference between working on a project where there is <laughs> there is a strong sense of why and working on a project where there is no strong sense of why, and it's that that you get energized as a consultant and as a collaborator working on that project and that it's more fun for you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even talking, so the one that I made a mistake that I made a mistake accepting, I would say back uh, before Christmas, their why was, Hey, we want more money. That's really what it was. Once we really dug into it a little later in the process and like once I already signed a contract and I was like, I just don't even believe in this crap. Basically <laughs> that's what it came down to. Like I, I do not get energized. And so when I'm even coming up, which is technically almost exactly the same, they do um, some health evaluations and like they were able to save uh, one of their communities, like $22 million and people are like, there's been a 10 year study they've been working on. So they've been like extending people's lives and, and saving all this money for the healthcare and on and on and on. And I, that's awesome. Right. That is that I believe in. Mm. I can do that. We just want more money. I believe you transfer value and then money is a reward. Sure. Like they should get paid well for that. But like that, I just want more money. is not, it's a totally terrible why. And I don't want to work with you. Yeah. And it's, it's and really, if I, if I say yes, and that's really your why, it's because I need food. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really funny that um, when you first start out that, that, you know, why are you in business? Well, we're in business to make money and, the, and you have to do some soul searching to figure out your why to actually figure out that making money is not enough to sustain the relationships with your customers and your suppliers and your staff and to build that community that you're going to need to build that tribe, as Seth Godin says. Yeah. Oh, and even defining your why is really hard. I would have told you probably even two years ago, even a, a year ago, I wouldn't have had a why as clearly defined as I have now. I could tell you a lot of components that I now realize were parts of it and things that I enjoyed, like teaching uh, when I taught rock climbing and helping people succeed, the training I provided, the work I did help them succeed at something really good. And then my wife would remind me, but you did the same thing that day and you trained just as hard. And I was like, yeah, but they did this, right? I helped them succeed at that. And so it's only probably in the last six months that I've had it nailed down to the, to the one kind of sentence I used earlier. So you said before um, that you have processes in place because you know this this whole working on projects that are right for you you've obviously got to have a good network of people that you can reach out to to keep those kinds of projects coming in and get referrals and make sure that you're working in with you know people who are philosophically aligned so that you get the right kind of referrals and you mentioned before that you have processes in place for for reaching out and keeping in touch with people what 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 are some of the 
ideas or some of the tools or tactics that you use to reach out to people rather than just saying, uh, hey, um, now would be a good time to send me a project because I've got nothing in the pipeline? So I use Contactually. Ah, yes. That lets you put people on buckets and then you can set up follow-up schedules for certain buckets and then you can put someone in a program. So say a warm lead gets followed up on way more often than a prospect or than a good, than even a good client, someone who's, you know, given me lots of work over the years. I just want to basically touch base every three months. But I also follow up with, I will follow up with you, Troy, because I have your email now. And so I put it into a colleague bucket and every 30 to 60 days, I will send something, at least that. Sometimes I will say, hey, so Chris Lemma writes a bunch about pricing as well. And so almost every time I find a good pricing article, I'm like, I should send this off to Chris because mm. I just know he'll appreciate that. And I actually go do that through contextually so that I don't send him something, you know, by accident somewhere else again to send him the same thing. And that sounds kind of lame to say like, like, so like even like I do this with friends, with actual friends or people at church. I put them in these buckets even to follow up with them, which like sounds kind of lame. So you're like, wouldn't you just remember? And I am not going to remember. That's right. <laughs> I am very good at like when I write, if I don't write it down, it didn't happen. That's another one I use all the time, which Tom Clancy taught me in one of his books. Uh -huh. If you don't write it down, it didn't happen. Yeah. And if I don't write it down, it's simply not going to happen. So I can have all these intentions. Oh, I should follow up with Troy and then you'll be off your mind or even someone I see at church. I should follow up with them and say, hey, how's it going? If I don't put it down, I will not do it. So the fact that I said I want to follow up with this person, I will put them in my system to make sure that I do follow up with them on a regular basis. That that's why it's not lame, I suppose. Yeah, contextually. The only person who doesn't get in that is my wife because I should, you know, just know that. But I honestly, I write down my wife's birthday and put reminders in it because I will get doing something and just totally forget. Yeah, contextually is awesome. You're preaching to the converted. I I love it. I've used it for quite a while now, and in fact, we taught we teach. Uh, how to use part of the WP Elevation Blueprint in Contactually. It really is a fabulous well, tool. If and you're really looking for a good sales thing, Contactually has earned me $14,000 in 24 hours of starting it. Wow. And it looks, so if the next project that comes up will have earned me $70,000 within 30 days. Wow. Because I followed up with a freelancer who said, oh, by the way, I'm actually at this company now. Do you know anything about this problem? And I said, no, here's the solutions I'm aware of. Here's the other things. And he said, those are all drastically too expensive because they're like $30,000 a month to get in like all their franchises into these lead forms. And right at $60 a month times, you know, a couple, five, 600 people, that's a big expense per month. And I said, hey, I built similar things. I can build this. Why wow. don't I give you an estimate? So if that comes through, like contactually will earn me $70,000 within like a month. Wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, should, you should definitely fire that off to Contactually. It's a testimonial. I'm sure Tony would appreciate it. I'm going to put a link to Contactually under, uh, mm -hmm. this, uh, under this show notes too because uh, it really is definitely worth checking out. Have you read um, Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port? I have. Just finished it in January, which will be on my reading list. So I read like eight to ten books a month often. Uh-huh. And some fiction in there, but like a good chunk, probably 50% business. And I just finished that for my fourth time. Right. Um, it is good. The biggest problem with that book is it's hard at the beginning and the first two times I did it, I didn't even do the work. Like yeah, I, did, right. I just read it. I was like, that's all great. And it sounds awesome and great. I finished the book. And if you don't do the work, don't waste your time. You're it's right. Short, like, You're right. And it is hard. I am not going to die. It that. It's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of work, but it is absolutely worth it. It is. Are you using his, because he partnered with Contactually, right, to, de to deliver his system through it. Is that what you're using in Contactually? No, I'm not using his system specifically. I right. kind of set up my own. So I used to do, um, so I used Todoist currently as a product or as a like uh, to-do manager or task manager. Um, and I used to just like put in my favorite clients and repeating tasks them and stuff. And so I 
did that and something I was always looking for and kept thinking I should build this was like, how do I get articles in there? How do I introduce leads? How do I do all these other things? And that's when I saw it actually, I was like, okay, I'll just use that. And you yeah. know, and I'll, I'll see what happens after the trial. And then I was like, well, it's, say it's made me plenty of money. So yeah, so it's I good. will do that. It's good. Awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, so, so the point is here that you're not just reaching out to people asking for work, you're continually adding value to your network, right? Yeah, in fact, I'm very rarely asking for work. Yeah. I think probably only once. So I was at uh, 10 Up for a while, uh-huh. for about three months, and I was probably a terrible employee, and I was not happy there. <laughs> the absolute fair assessment, if Jake ever said, you were a bad employee, I'd say he's probably totally right. Right. <laughs> so I, was, I was a lackluster employee, and I wasn't happy, so we decided to part ways. And the only time, so when we decided, like, hey, we're, like this, is, this isn't working, we should decide to go somewhere else. Um, so that we can both not be angry at each other, basically. Yeah. I, I sent out one email and said, hey, I've got some availability. Do you have any work? And that's the, probably the only time. Every other time, like, hey, have you seen this article? Have you seen these other things? And I relied on my memory too much or on tasks I would repeat as opposed to a system like Contactually. Um, not, not, not that I would encourage you to talk out of school at all, but why was the experience at Tenup not great for you? Was it just what, look, because you didn't have control over your own kind of journey? Yeah, yeah. Or- so I, I went there because I was tired of dealing with clients. I said, like, all this client stuff, it's a pain in the butt. And, and I did not have processes. I did not have, like, I am epically better set up than I was then. Mm. I wasn't reading as much about business. Mm. I wasn't quite debt-free yet as well. In fact, mm. I don't even think we had started on the debt-free stuff with uh, Dave Ramsey stuff. Mm-hmm. We hadn't even started on his work yet. Um, so I was in a totally different space business-wise. I was probably running a hobby that mostly paid my bills actually and I was not running a business at that point mm. um, and so shortly after that so I, so I yes I wanted more control and I'm trying to think and the way I felt like I worked too much maybe I'm just lazy because like I probably only log 30 hours at the computer a week right um, I prioritize other things is probably the best way to say it. I think other things are more of a priority. And could I earn more just by putting more time in chair? Yeah, but I don't even want to do that. I want to go biking on Fridays. I want to go hang out with my kids. I make it to figure skating lessons pretty much every week at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon because that's what I want to do. It is more important. It's more important at my grave for someone to say I was a good a good father, a good husband, and a good community member. I could care less if they know I was built websites. That doesn't matter at all to me. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. That's nice. I mean, uh, Shane uh, Perlman from Modern Tribe, I've spoken mm. to him about this at length. I mean, they basically, those guys have built a lifestyle business. And it's really important to them that they and everyone in the, in the organization has a good lifestyle. They don't want to be working 60 hours a week. I mean, some weeks I bet they do, but they don't want to be mm-hmm. just working for the sake of being, you know, the best agency on the planet. Yeah, and there are absolutely times when I do work more, but I am... As you said in our pre-show, like I had the email up about the gift I was going to give you. I listened to five or six shows beforehand, so I had an f- idea of the questions. I read the questions twice, like right. once before I listened to a show and once after I listened to a show to make sure I had them down the general flow of it. So I am a very disciplined person. So if I have to work in the evenings or weekends, it's probably because I said yes when I should have said no. Yeah. And so I planned <laughs> poorly. So I took on an extra client or I took on, said, oh, sure, I can do that by Friday. When there is like, you cannot manufacture time out of thin air. Mm. You cannot find time in the couch. You, like it's not there. You have a <laughs> finite amount of it. You can choose how to use it. So I like that. You can't find time in the couch. That's great. Um, I've just found the link to DaveRamsey.com, uh, get mm-hmm. out of debt with the debt snowball plan. I'm going to put a link to that under the show notes here. And here's why, because budgeting 
I think, I mean, I, I, we had one of our WP Elevation members, Seamus, who I know he won't mind me uh, telling this story. He actually suggested a piece of software called YNAB, You Need a Budget. I'm going to put a link to that mm-hmm. in the show notes as well. Yeah. And I'd been, I was terrible at budgeting over the years. I've been really good at spending money. I've been pretty good at earning money. I've been terrible mm. at budgeting. So invariably what would happen is there, there would always kind of be this low-lying kind of anxiety somewhere in the back of your mind about a big tax bill coming in or a big, a big bill coming in and then having to kind of find the money for it, right? Well, YNAB teaches you to basically put money in envelopes for specific yeah. categories and it's all a computerized version of it. And it's yeah. totally changed my stress levels and my yep. whole approach to work because I, I'm no longer anxious about have, being, you know, having to pay for things on time because I know that the money is in the envelope, yeah, and yep. our savings and are good. And Dave Ramsey does a modified envelope system, basically. One of the best things I think you can do is listen to his 30-minute podcast. Every day he does 30 minutes because right. as you come up, I listened to that for two years. Every day I'd listen to it. Uh, and I also taught the, his financial peace course uh, right. as well. And wow. People would say, I've got this question, and I'd be like, oh, Dave Ramsey answered that three or four times over the last two years. I've listened to this, wow. like, different, these different questions from, like, from random people. It is fairly U.S.-centric. I'm lucky being in Canada that a lot of the general things line up, and certainly all of the concepts line up, right? Like, yep. credit cards are stupid. Yep. Air miles are dumb. <laughs> yep. Like, you don't get, they don't do air miles because it's a benefit to you. That's right. So. That's um, right. Yeah. Yes, the biggest, I, you know, the biggest mistake. I don't mind sharing this. The biggest mistake I made in my late twenties was rolling over one credit card into another because they offered a low interest on uh, the transfer of debt, uh, tr- you know, transfer of balance. And uh, my lord, if I knew what I know now back then, I would never in a million years have done that. Please, anyone listening to this, never take out a credit yeah. card to pay off another one. No, it's a vicious I, cycle. As I say, well, they even know, so in Canada, at least, even if you close a credit card, if there's been a pre-authorized payment, eight months later, it can be billed. I know that now. After right. like, <laughs> Collections is calling you, and I called the credit company and said, no, 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 this is closed on this day. I have a letter saying it was closed on this day, and it was charged eight months later. What, what's up with that? It's yeah. pre-authorized. You can't do anything. Yeah. Okay, so like I saw the credit card out there floating to possibly get charged maybe whenever they decide it's okay. Yeah. So. And you know, I think this stuff's really important because it, financial stress is probably the worst kind of stress that you can experience because it, it actually goes to the very core of survival, right? And yep. if you can just get your finances under control, it actually frees you up to think clearly about the business that you actually want to build, not the business you think you need to build in order to pay the bills. Absolutely. The biggest uh, issue cited on divorce papers is financial stress, like yeah. all around money ideas. And the, one of the biggest re- reason businesses fail is all comes down to money management. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. It's, those are two of the biggest things that you can get out um, for sure. I know actually we even helped uh, through our church coach people who are working, looking at divorce and like got their finances on track. And 30 days later, like, I, you know what? It's everything else is so easy yep. you know, that we're not that we're, we're arguing about money still because it usually takes three to six months for a couple not to argue about how they're going to budget every month. Yep. But yes, we're still arguing, but we have the same vision at the end of this. So they yeah. keep pushing, pushing better for it. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, this, we're completely off track here. <laughs> not talking about anything WordPress related. I think it's all related. important though. Like I think having, it's very important too, man. Like, like having a wife and like a fa- finances that I know are just under control means that I, I have to earn a, ma- a, a certain amount and, and that's it, yep. right? I don't have to worry about the rest of it. There's all yeah. these things I don't even have to think of, which is good and bad because I'm really good at totally forgetting conversations if I don't have to, that's not my area of responsibility. Yeah. But 
And that all comes down because what you want to build is a proper business and dealing with all that extra stress only impacts your business. That's right. Like, I know even days when I've had a tough day with the kids or like had a bad sleep, you come in and you're like, this whole day is like just terrible. Right. And yeah. it, it's always going to impact that. So fooling yourself into thinking it, it's not going to is yeah. terrible. I was reading a study recently from uh, the Harvard Business Review about um, business productivity and how people excel and basically how it related to their marriage and their family. And the, basically the better the marriage and their family and the finances were, the better they did at work. Yeah. So do you want to do good at work? This all matters. Yeah, totally. Thinking it doesn't is just lying to yourself and... I don't think you want to lie to yourself, really. I agree wholeheartedly. I couldn't agree more. So I'm going to put a link to Dave Ramsey's podcast and YNAB, You Need a Budget. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. And I strongly suggest if anyone out there is under any kind of financial stress or whatever, go and research and get your finances sorted, your finances sorted, because it'll change everything else. And what it also does is it takes the pressure off so that you don't have to take those crummy jobs that you know are going to be mm-hmm. a pain in the ass and not going to be profitable. All right. Um, hey, you mentioned Angie Meekin before about content strategy. Yeah, Meeker. Meeker. Angie Meeker. So uh, where can I find Angie? Where, where is she these days? Uh, is it Angie Meeker Designs? Right. Because <laughs> that name, Angie's name has come up a couple of times actually uh, from guests on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to try and reach out to Angie Meeker. There we go. Angie Meeker Designs. Yes. I'm going to reach out to Angie and... Um, try and get her on the podcast. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Um, right now, hey, we should do the elevation round for those that don't know. Uh, <laughs> track, we, should, eh? we should talk about something WordPress related. Okay. WP Elevation is a business accelerator for WordPress consultants. So if you want to grow up from being a freelancer and actually run a proper WordPress business, WP Elevation is a good place to start. So uh, given that, I'm going to ask Curtis a series of quick questions. Consider this our lightning round. And Curtis is going to give us some quick question, uh, quick answers off the top of your head. All right, ready to rock and roll? What is the number one thing any freelancer or consultant absolutely needs to know? Needs to know they need to know their value and how to use their time wisely. Mm. There's that word again, the V word. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> value, kids, value. Um, they even wh- probably communicate their value. How to communicate their value and use their time well. Mm, nice. Uh, what is the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Uh, follow up with people. Follow up with everyone that you, basically every email you have and, and contribute to them, right? Yeah. Um, nice. Uh, what, how do you stop competing on price? Knowing how to communicate your value and, and, and asking why, right? If you're saying this is what we want done and you say, okay, here's a price, they just outsourced fingers that happen to know how to code right asking why is this the best solution what else could we be doing what opportunities are lost what opportunities would be better used i like it any tips on writing better proposals uh it's basically like a long-form sales page here's your problem this is why it's a really big problem here's how i can help you solve it here's why my experience in helping other people solve similar problems oh and by the way here's the price i like it but you've established, here's how much it's costing you by establishing the problem. Here's your other options. Here's why they're more expensive than this one. Here's my experience on doing it. Here's how I solve problems. And here's the price, which is, you know, less 30 to whatever, say 50% less or 10%, you know, in the 10% range uh, of their cost. I like it a lot. Um, I've never heard anyone refer to a proposal as like the long form sales page format, but it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um do you have a favorite tool or system for CRM? I think we may have already spoken about that. Contact, Julie. There we go. Tony's going to be very happy 
about that. Um, hi, Tony, if you're listening, by the way. Tony's the I founder. I can give of- you my address if you got cool stuff too. <laughs> Tony. Sweet. Tony's the founder of Contactually. Big shout out to Tony. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Communicate, communicate, and communicate. I send... I meet with my client every week um, to talk about the project. I send you an email on Friday that says, this is what happened this week. This is what next week looks like. And I send you an email on Monday saying, this is what this week looks like. This is what you should expect to talk about on our next call. And let me guess, you've got all that stuff kind of templated in Text Expander? Absolutely. (laughs) I like you more and more. The more time we spend together, the more I like you, Curtis. (laughs) Um, Any ideas for getting referrals from existing customers? Continue to contribute to them. How, how can, the biggest question to ask in all of this is how can you make their business better? Through no, how can you serve them and make their business better? And then they will, so even connecting people, right? So that's something yes. I try to do is connect people together. And every time they talk to this other person, mm-hmm. they say, hey, Curtis introduced me to this. I wonder mm-hmm. what he's doing right now. Yep. Or Curtis sent me this article on pricing and I earned better for it. I wonder what he's doing right now. And I, oh, his specific projects are these types of things. So. Uh, Chris Lemmer sent me an email the other day introducing me to, I want to say Jason from Postmatic. I'm sure his name is not Jason. Um, um, it's, what is it? Get, was it get, go Postmatic? Go, I've got to find this now. Yeah, that's um, the email commenting. That's, yeah, but, so yeah. commenting via email. Um, I'm sorry if your name's not Jason, man. It's been a busy week. Um, uh, but he, he just kind of reached out and said, hey, you guys should uh, you guys should know each other, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it is and Jason. Something that yes. Chris does amazing, right? He's a connector. I know uh, I'm a, I often will end up chatting with him or I'll see other people chatting with him. He's like, I'm having a problem with hosting. Oh, do you want the CEO's number for that? Yeah. <laughs> You're having problems. I, I can do that for you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He is very generous. I have a post coming out about the three things you should share. And I actually cite Chris Lemma being a connector there. Yep as well he's awesome and uh kim doyle just put me in touch with the guys behind the beaver builder um uh plugin so um yes connecting people who and you know that's one of the things i love about running a podcast is that your network just expands exponentially because at the end of this interview i'm going to ask you who you think i should interview next and guess what you're just connecting people you know it's awesome Uh, final question in the elevation round what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself you can ask the question why I love it. I love it. I love it. I like it a lot. All right. Uh, thank you very much <laughs> for that. Um, hey, what is the future for Curtis McHale? Where do you think you're going to be in 12 months' time? In 12 months. So I would like to grow my business um, probably not quite 10 times, but I'm on the road to 10 times my business, which would be a million dollars a year. And wow. I would like to – I don't think that's – I don't think that's crazy at all, really. When I when I really look at it, and I even mm. great thing telling my wife, I'd like to make a million dollars a year. That's ninety thousand dollars a month. Mm. Yeah, ninety thousand dollars a month. And she looks at me. Yeah, you can do that. Mm. Like that was about the response. Two seconds of thought. So I'd like to get on the road to that. Awesome. Um, and I'd like to. So I'd like to get out some more products for freelancers to help them do that. And I'd also like to convert all my business payment over to conversion based payments. So I will help you make more sales, and I get paid a percentage of those sales. Wow. And those are the two methods that I'm looking at. And so if I help you make zero sales. I make nothing. Yeah. So it's that is pure value-based payment. There is no if ands, or buts are guessing on value. Did you make more? Yes. Hey, I earn more. Yeah. Did you not? I don't earn anything. Yeah. It's a balls-out rock and roll approach, isn't it? I love it. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's got lots of, lots of potential, so you need to pick the right clients for it, right? That gets back to the right clients, the right clients. So I have two that I'm trialing it with that are not necessarily the right clients dollar-wise because their market is fairly small, but every other way they excel. I love working with them. They're excellent. I believe in their mission, everything like that. And so I'm trialing it with them mm. um, currently. 
Um, it's funny, you know, Frank Kern, uh, love him or hate him, and I know that he's a very divisive figure. I happen to love him. Uh, he, he says, basically, you know, why would you, why would you make life harder for yourself? Why would you – his approach is I'll only work with a client where I'm convinced that I could – like if I only get paid after I get them the result – then I'll take them on. So he, he looks at a client and says, if I only got paid after I got you the result that I'm promising, would I take you on as a client? And that basically means that they have to have good traffic, a good list, a product mm-hmm. already in place that's selling at the right price point where he says, well, yeah, I'm you know, 40 grand a year or whatever it is for, for coaching, but I know I only have to get you 10 new customers a year and it's gonna pay for itself. So yeah, what, so something I'd like to do is Dan Sullivan's coaching program, and according to his qualifications, I don't qualify. I'm just below qualifying. Well, the vacuuming now inside my office. <laughs> um, I don't know if you can hear that, but I can hear it. But I am just below that cusp, and I look at that and say, I want to be in there. Yeah. And so that is part of my goals also is to get to that. So I have, like, I up on my calendar, the first thing I put on is vacation, and then I put on the courses I want to go to. And his is near the end of the year, so I can be like, I didn't do this last year, but look, like my, my income is so much this year that I'm obviously well beyond what I would need to be yeah. the next tax season. This is a strategic coach, right? Yes. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to put a link to that also because Dan Sullivan's name is a name that keeps coming up on my radar and I don't know enough about him. So I'm going to do some more research on him and hopefully that get him on the podcast. He's probably one of the most energized 70-year-olds you'll ever listen to. Wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. I'm going to do some more research there. All right. Hey, um, what is the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business? Mm. One piece of advice. I think it's going to have to go back to knowing your value and communicating it and, and, and asking why, right? Nice. I like it. That's good. Uh, where can people reach out and say thanks, Curtis? Where can people get in touch with you? I'm Curtis McHale everywhere. CurtisMcHale.ca, Curtis McHale on Twitter, Curtis McHale on any other random social network that crops up when I grab my username fast and never use. <laughs> uh, cool. Are you on, um, uh, um, what's, that, what's that new one that popped up recently? Ello? Are you on Ello? No, I looked at that one actually and said, eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah I, did, <laughs> so, I, did, I did the same. Um, hey, final question for this interview. Who would you like? Oh, actually, no, we should do the competition first, right? Sorry, haven't done the competition. No, it's your show. We got to, I got so excited just <laughs> chatting with you, man. I completely forgot about the competition. So the competition is this. Now that you know what Curtis kind of does and what his uh, philosophy and approach is, uh, he has very kindly offered two complimentary consulting sessions. So we're going to have two winners uh, in this competition. Uh, I'm going to get Curtis to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize by going through the comments. And in order to enter the competition, you know what to do by now. Uh, This is episode number 70 of the WP Elevation podcast. You should know what's happening by now. I can't believe we're at episode number 70. Um, Leave a comment under the video and tell Curtis why you are in business. What is your why? Why are you even in this WordPress freelance business thing? And I'll get Curtis to swing by. Yeah, Is 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 that right? I'm going to say, if you're struggling with your why, if you don't have it down to the elevator pitch, then let me know what you think the, the parts of it are. What's the things that get you excited? What are you struggling with to get it? So, Because not everybody has that, for sure, yet. Awesome. Um, and just a little hint, if you say that you're in this to make money, you probably won't win the prize. <laughs> uh, cool. Hey, finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? I think that you should interview, I was going to say Angie Meeker actually because she's awesome and she's great on content strategy and she helps 
developers and designers not talk nerd to their clients because their clients don't speak it. Um, I was also going to say Kirk Bowman, who runs the Art of Value podcast, and he talks all about value. Right. Well, isn't that interesting? Because I was on Kurt's podcast uh, late last year, and we spoke all about pricing. You should get him on to talk about value and how to communicate your value. That would he'd be very good for that. All right. Uh, and it's it's Kurt Bowman, isn't it? Kirk. Kirk. K-I-R-K. Kirk. K-I-R-K, of course it is. That's right. Um, in fact, Kirk sent us Christmas cards. He, mm-hmm. he, he sent uh, myself and Jin in the office here a Christmas card um, as a way of just saying, hey, thanks for connecting with us and, uh, and being on the podcast. So Kirk Bowman and Angie Meeker, I'm coming to get you for the podcast, courtesy of Curtis <laughs> McHale. Keep your eyes on your inbox. Hey, Curtis, I, seriously, man, I could just sit here and chat for ages with you. This has been awesome. I've learned a lot. I've had a lot of fun. And I wish you all the best for the future, man. And please keep in touch and let us know how things roll out. Oh, thanks. Cool. Cheers. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the WP Elevation podcast as much as Curtis and I did, uh, especially the rant about personal finances. That was fun, wasn't it? And totally unexpected. Um, but something that people don't often talk about, and I, when we started off on that rant, I thought in the back of my mind, oh, is this going to be relevant? And I thought, no, it is. We should be talking about this. It's important stuff. Uh, of course, this episode is brought to you by WP Migrate DB Pro. They are sponsoring the podcast for a month. Thank you very much to Brad Tauernard and the guys at Delicious Brains for that. And um, I hope you got a lot out of our little interview with Jason Resnick, who uses WP Migrate DB Pro on a daily basis, and you should be too. So go and check it out at deliciousbrains.com or just Google WP Migrate DB Pro or click the sponsorship message on this page. Visit the website and see what it's all about. Hey, subscribe to the podcast, of course, at wpelevation.com slash subscribe, and uh, you'll get a free webinar when you subscribe. I think that's what we're giving away at the moment. I'm pretty sure it's a free webinar about creating content, which by the way, is a very important skill that you can teach your clients. Hmm, there you go, you can have that one. Um, All the show notes for this particular episode, you can find at wpelevation.com slash Curtis McHale, that is C-U-R-T-I-S-M-C-H-A-L-E. All one word, all lowercase, no spaces, hyphens, underscores, or hieroglyphics. Um, that is the pretty link for this show, wpelevation.com slash Curtis McHale. And remember, leave a comment underneath this uh, video and uh, you could win a uh, consulting session with Curtis McHale. And remember, the last client that he consulted with, he netted an additional $1,000 a month in uh, contract income. So definitely uh, check that out. And remember, leave a comment underneath the video and tell Curtis why you're in business. If you don't have a why, then just tell him what you're passionate about. And remember, making money will not win you the prize. So leave your comment underneath this video. I'll get Curtis to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. Um, Please get on over to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and subscribe us uh, subscribe to us, rate us, and write us a review, please. It really helps us come up in the search results and helps us reach a wider audience and helps us help more WordPress consultants just like you. So if you're an iOS user, get on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're an Android user, I'm sorry your life is so horrible. No, I'm kidding. If you're an Android user, please get on over to stitcher.com and check us out there and um, leave us some feedback there. Hey, next week on the podcast. Now this is an interesting question because frankly, I don't actually know who's on next week. Hang on. Next week is Oh, now. 
Hopefully, it's going to be Remkes de Vries from Foresight Media and one of the organisers of WordCamp Europe. However, he's a bit sick at the moment with jet lag, so we're trying to get our time zones right because when it's like, you know, 7 o'clock at night for him, it's 4 o'clock in the morning for me, and we're trying to work out our time zone so that I can get him on the podcast. I was supposed to have done that interview already, but I haven't. So, Remkes, please. I'm hoping we can do that interview, and uh, if we can, then Remkes de Vries will be next week. Um, if we can't, if he's still unwell, then I'm not sure who will be. Might be Jack McConnell, could be Shane Price, might be Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute. He's coming up. Or it might be Jason Lemure from Postmatic. Who else is coming up? Naomi Bush from Stripe. Woohoo! Um, so uh, there, that's just a hint of some of the guests we've got coming up in the podcast. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. And of course, until next time, I've been Troy Dean. Now your turn to go elevate.